I'm not going to be sharing about culture this morning. I'm going to stay away from that this morning um, because I'm not very clear on culture. I don't see anywhere in the New Testament that popular culture was changed. But I do know that we can impact our environments. And in some of the conversations that I had last week about culture and it taking 20, 30 years to establish. I think culture will only be established when Jesus returns back to this earth. Where popular culture, where the masses, take a look in Philippians chapter 2, around 10, 11, and 12. It says that at uh, the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess Every knee will bow, right? Every is the population. So it's going to take the return of Jesus to literally change culture. But what we can impact are our environments. And that's where I want to go here this morning. I'm going to be in the book of Acts. And just before I go, I'm not teaching this this morning, but I want you in your family time, in your personal study time, I want you to take some looks at the men, the disciples, in the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you pick, or maybe you want to go through all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the Gospels. I want you to look at those, and I want you to look at some of the characteristics of the disciples. Because there is a very distinct difference between the disciples' atmosphere, their attitude, remember last week, their ethos, their, their air that they carried. There is a distinct difference in their atmosphere in the gospel message than there is in the book of Acts. And again, I'm not going to teach this this morning. This is going to be later, probably in a much smaller setting, discipleship, something that we're doing uh, other evenings of the week coming up in the future. But I could walk you through what happened. And just to give you a head start, what happened, happened in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. You see, the atmosphere, and let me just write these on the board just as a refresher of, of last week. Remember last week, if you weren't here, maybe you watched it online. Atmosphere is what you carry around with you everywhere you go, no matter whether you realize it or not. When you walk into the room, whatever room that is, you carry an atmosphere. And I want to get a place, an environment. This is an environment. We have just called it Hope City is is our church. And an environment is made up of many people. All right? And then just for time, just for showing you, culture is the the masses. There's like seven point some odd billion people on this planet. And each different people group has a culture. And the popular culture seems to drive... Most people's lives today. But I'm saying I want to get to such a place where there's an an environment. This is an environment where it is safe to say my atmosphere, my attitude, my ethos, my characteristics are not in a healthy place. And it'd be okay for you to voice that. 
Can I just be very honest? You better be careful right now on December 3rd, 2017, who you voice your atmosphere that is less than pleasant with. But I hope and pray that one day there will be such a shift in our environment that you as a man or you as a woman or you as a teen or you even as a kid could come into our environment and say, this is what I am unpleasantly dealing with. We're not there yet. What I say, I think one day very, very soon, I think one day we can see a shift in our environment. If you're looking at this and you're going to take me up on this and you're going to study, you're going to see something distinct from the gospel, the disciples in the gospel to the disciples in the book of Acts. In in the gospel, John, Mark, Luke, whichever one, Matthew, you want to read, you're going to see that disciples had an atmosphere And uh, they were following Jesus. They were working with Jesus, but they oftentimes lied. Take a look at it. Peter lied. I know Peter gets the bad rap, but he's the one. He lied straight to people's face. You'll see also that, and again, Peter's getting the rap here this morning, but Peter had anger. He lopped off some dude's ear. That was the atmosphere intense moments that Peter, a disciple of Jesus, carried with him. Fear was another thing that drove some of these disciples. One of his disciples was the most crooked person in biblical history, it seems like. He turned on the one who was going to save the world. That was Judas's atmosphere. But then there is a shift. And this is for you this morning, for you later this week to study. But I want to give you a head start in Acts chapter 1. Jesus told them in verse 4, he says, Hey, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Why do you think Jesus said, Hey, don't leave Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come? It's because Jesus did not want their atmospheres going to affect any environment. No fear, no lying, no evilness, no distrust, no faith to infect this environment. And so Jesus said, hey guys, you have to wait. And you have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He says, it's the the one the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I skip down to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will take your atmosphere that is full of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then I want you to take your atmosphere and go affect every environment that you walk into. Here's where I'm struggling with the culture part of this. These men waited in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They do go and very powerfully affect many environments. But they still do not change popular culture. 
How do I know that? How can you know that? It's because if they would have changed popular culture, they would not have been murdered for their atmosphere. These guys affected environments, but the popular culture that was driving the day still murdered maybe all of them except one and many other people who were a part of their environments. There's a huge shift in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John guys and the guys in Acts after the Holy Spirit falls on them. Again, that's for another morning. This morning, I want to focus on our environment got a couple of questions. You can write them down. See, sometimes you guys taking pictures. I'm going to move fairly quickly to get to the very end of this thing this morning. The first two things are just questions for you. And I want to ask you, based off the definition that you're going to see up here in just a second, and I'm going to read it off of here because I don't have it memorized. The definition for environment. And you can see the first one. It's the air and... The water, the minerals, the organ, that's like the scientific definition of environment. That's not the one I want to base this rest of our morning off. The one I want to base the rest of our morning off comes from this second one. It's the social and cultural forces. And I want you to replace that word forces with atmospheres. It's the social and cultural attitudes, behaviors, characteristics that shape the life of a person or a population, or I want to use instead of population, an environment. That's what an environment is. So the first question I want you to answer, and we're not going to sit and pick this apart here this morning. It is seriously for you to leave this place and hopefully sometime this week create enough space in your life to where you seriously get to the point and answer some of these questions. And the first one is simply this. What environments are you a part of? It's the question right here. What environments are you a part of? What do you mean, Scott? That's what I would be like if I was sitting in class and they asked me to do this and they left some space. I'm thinking a hundred different things other than what I need to be thinking. Hey, teacher, I need some help. Like, what do you mean by that? Your home is an environment. Your home is an environment because there are forces, there are attitudes, there are atmospheres, behaviors, characteristics that are evident in your home. That I guarantee you right now with just five minutes of space, you can start to name them. Your home is an environment. And let me just say, because I'm going to talk about this word in a few minutes, the word expectations. In this environment, we're wanting to create expectations for every environment that you and I get to be a part of. 
And your home should be a place of a community. There should be an expectation that your home is a safe place and a healthy place. If you want to look at it in terms of like soil, ground, the dirt, you cannot even throw the most expensive seeds in unhealthy environment dirt and expect anything to grow out of it. But when that soil is healthy, when that environment is cared for, when it is protected, when it is tended, you can throw anything into that ground and there is going to be production. And so your home is an environment. Your workspace is an environment. Well, Scott, I, I'm not in charge in my workspace I am not the boss. I don't set the environment. But you do set the atmosphere that you bring into that environment. I bet some of you work in the most evil and vile environments. I can just imagine your atmosphere can and will affect that environment. Home, your workplace, some of our students in here, your school. And this is a big one, especially down here in the culture that we do live in, in the South, our churches. Our churches are an environment. So what environments are you a part of? Second question, just quickly going through this. What are those forces that are shaping your environments? Second question. Listen, I know that some of this is going to be scary and some of it is going to be dangerous, but I promise you God is going to be pleased by us shedding light on some of this stuff. Some of it is not being said out of fear. The Holy Spirit came on the same men and those guys that were fear-driven in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Acts, they were fearless. I don't want this to scare you. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be honest. Let's not, not mention what some of you right now feel to be the elephant in the room. If you were to sit down with your spouse, the elephant in the room would be what? Let's name it and shed light on it because it is a force and it is an atmosphere. It's an attitude. It is a behavior that is probably driving your environment. And I'm not saying all of those will be negative. There's probably many of us in this room, who would sit down and name the forces, the atmospheres, the behaviors that are driving our environments at home or work, our school or our church, and there would be many glorious words that we would use. It's phenomenal. 
Let's know what those are so that we can continue to repeat them. Let's talk about the elephants in the room so that we can shed light on them and cast them away. I do know this. I think it was Andy Stanley who said it, that behaviors, attitudes, actions, characteristics that get rewarded, get repeated. So what are those forces that are driving your environments? And here's where we go this morning. We'll hang here for a few moments. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. Because this is not just me sitting behind a desk coming up with expectations for our environment. This isn't me. Guys, this is a collective. Because in an environment, there are expectations. Whether they are voiced or whether they remain silent, there are expectations in our environments. In your home, there are expectations, whether they are voiced or whether they remain silent. And I think in the environment that is the church, I think we, and I'm going to take the blame, I think that I, we, leaders, pastors, whatever it is, we have been afraid to voice the expectations of this environment. And I think that a lot of, a lot of the questions that we've been asking can be answered because we have not voiced the expectations. I know there are many books. There's tons of books out there. There's this whole this movement of trying to capture how in the world can we retain millennials in the church? People are leaving the church environment in droves. There's people that leave this church and they go over to that church or there's people who left that church and they come over to this church because what they are looking for, no one is voicing. Listen, this music is set apart from anyone. This is phenomenal, ordained, divine, blessed people leading us in worship. I think better than anywhere. But I can promise you this, you can get this kind of sermon anywhere in any church in this Piedmont Triad. There is nothing that is separating this from any other guy standing with a microphone this Sunday morning. You can go anywhere and get comfortable seats and friendly people. But I believe there is a search for something that we, for some reason, have been afraid to voice and its expectations. That's why I I honestly believe not only our young people, but a lot of people are leaving the church because we've not voiced that there is an expectation. If you follow Jesus Christ, that you in an unhappy marriage are not going to call it quits and go get a lawyer and divorce your spouse. That is not what Jesus' followers do. See, expectations get a little bit dicey. 
The expectation for followers of Jesus are that I know that there are sometimes strife. There's strife in my marriage. But you see, I've never been in an environment that is safe enough to voice the fact that we fight and we fight well. See, here's the deal. And we've sat with staff members, many of them all in a room, and we've said, man, we're, we know this is of the Lord. We've got to voice some expectations. Listen, come one, come all. Come one, come all. But once you come, you've got to know that there are expectations. The environment in Acts, go look this up. Acts chapter 4 or 5, you'll see this. Stands out. I'm not preaching this this morning. I'm preaching this next Sunday. Some of the expectations in the environment of those people in early Acts. Let's, let me teach for just a second. Acts, if you go there in your Bible, A-C-T-S, Acts. It's the book right after John. It's written by a guy by the name of Luke. He was a doctor. Many people are like, what is that Acts? I mean, what does it mean? It's Acts. Actions of the apostles. That's what it means. Actions of the apostles. Take a look at it. It tells story after story of these men and women's lives after the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Actions of the apostles' life. You can probably break it down if you really go into depth to study it. It's the actions of Peter and John. Just two guys really are the main characters in the book of Acts. Maybe you want to call it this. Maybe it's the actions of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, what he, the Holy Spirit, did in Peter and John and these apostles' lives is available for every single one of us in this room today. I'm not, I'm not going to spend any more time about this, but I want to tell you, there is an environment that had an expectation of prayer in this book of actions of the apostles or the actions of the Holy Ghost. There was an environment that had an expectation of prayer. They were praying all the time. There was an expectation in the environment that you read early on in the book of Acts that there was an expectation for powerful moves of God to happen every day. That was an expectation. Go look at this. Peter was in jail. They could not go and overthrow the jailers or the law, people who were in charge of the law in those days. So what they had to do is pray. And they expected God to free Peter from that jail. And guess what happened? Peter walked out of the jail. There was an expectation of prayer. There was an expectation of powerful moves of God. There was also an expectation of generosity. Take a look at it. We're going to preach this stuff. We're going to preach it. I don't know. I don't know. Preach the pain off the wall. We're going to preach this next week because it's the expectation of people who follow Jesus. Not just this church. Listen, there are so many churches out there just like us that are hungry for God, for the move of God. And he's bringing us together. Prayer, power of God. 
generosity. And then the one I said about your family's community. Here's something amazing. These people, they had the expectation that we're going to do life together. We, there's an expectation that we're going to hang out. You're going to come over. There was an expectation that we're going to come together and we're going to come together often, not just at nine o'clock on Sunday morning for an hour and hopefully 15 minutes. I hope you be quiet. There's an expectation for that. And I just feel like I need to say this. I believe the enemy, Satan, just call it what it is, he has come and he has tried to destroy the expectations that we as Jesus people voice. We voice them in love and we voice them in acceptance. So there's a difference between acceptance and approval. We voice them. And I just want to say, you know, I want to pray for somebody in this room. Because I know, because the spirit that is from Satan, the spirit of isolationism, he's trying to keep me away from you guys. He's trying to keep me in dark corners. He's wanting me to stay at home. He's wanting me not to go in public. I believe that's the spirit that some of us in this room share. Can I tell you, the expectation of our Father and the Jesus people that went before us, they were together and they were together often. There was, they weren't alone. And so if that's you and you have that spirit on you, maybe I just called it out and you say, oh, well, that's what it is. It's a spirit that is not of God. It is an unholy spirit that is on you, that wants you alone and quiet and by yourself. It's anti what God has wanting for you and the Holy Spirit. The expectation of being together in a community. 